let the young people slip out the back for our children's church. And one thing I hate about this time of year is that uh, this is the last week we'll have the Christmas decorations up in the auditorium for about a year. And uh, I always hate that when they have to come down. And uh, But thinking about that earlier this week, thinking about it's the end of Christmas and now it's time to start thinking New Year's, I began to think about, you know, should we jump back into our study in Ephesians or should I should I preach something about the new year and, you know, everybody makes resolutions, that kind of thing. And then I looked where we were at in Ephesians and I thought, um, I can do both. <laughs> because where we're at in this passage today is going to talk about putting some things away and putting some new things on. And so it's a perfect time to uh, jump into this part of the passage. So we are in Ephesians 4 today and uh, we are beginning at verse 22. Now let me, uh, let me reread for you just because it's been a bit, obviously, since we've been in Ephesians. So let me jump back to verse 17 for just a minute. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And then he says this, but ye have not uh, so learned Christ. If so, be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. So as Paul leads us into this passage, he talks about the, the darkened walk uh, of people that are living in sin. And then he basically comes to this point and he says, but this is not what you know. You know something different because you've trusted Christ as your Savior. And so he said, you need to walk in the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. And so that takes us to where we are at today, starting in verse 22. I've titled today's message, A Life Change, A Life Change. And notice our first point today is that life change. Starting in verse 22, it says that ye put off concerning the former con conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And I thought, man, what better passage to start the new year with of that there are some things we need to get out of our life and there's some things we need to get into our life. And so as we, as we think about New Year's time and we think about all those resolutions we make and things like that, and often those resolutions center around exercising and going to the gym or working out or eating the right kind of food or having better goals for my life, what better goal could we have than to following what the Lord teaches us through Scripture, that there are certain things that need to be out of our life and certain things that need to be a part of our life. And so as we look forward, let's think about that, but that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. The word conversation appears 13 times uh, in the New Testament, always appears as our English word, conversation. Uh, but the word has gone through a drastic change over the years. We think of conversation as I'm talking to you, so and you're talking to me, so we're conversing. We're having a conversation. But the real uh, meaning of that word is manner of life. And so if you stick that definition into the verse, he's saying that you put off concerning the former manner of life, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. In other words, folks, we are, we are supposed to, to put away 
the behavior that was in our life and part of our life before we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Now, we would sit here and say, well, that, that makes total sense, right? I mean, we're, I'm, I've now trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. The way I used to live my life, I ought to put those things away and live a life a different way. And we would all, we would all probably agree to that. Yes, brother, preach that. That's, that's how it works. That's what should happen. But the accepting of it and the putting it into practice often seem to be far from each other. We would agree with that statement. But to live it out in our lives, we often find it far more difficult. And there's reasons for that. We'll talk about those a little bit later. But I want you to think today about a prisoner. Because, you know, before we're saved, the Bible teaches us that, that we're in bondage. We are a prisoner of sin and of Satan. And, and so I want you to think today about a prisoner in a jail. And when, when somebody's in jail, they get to wear a lovely uh, uniform, an orange jumpsuit in most jails. Unless you're in that jail where that guy's real conservative, he makes them wear pink jumpsuits. But I forget what that is, what sheriff that is. But one of those jails somewhere out there has a real conservative sheriff that really wants to get those guys to understand that they're not where they're supposed to be. And so he makes them wear pink jumpsuits. But, but you're wearing the orange jumpsuit. And you've reached the end of your incarceration, and the door to the jail is opened for you to now walk back out into a new life. And so you walk back out into the new life, still wearing the orange jumpsuit. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? Why would anybody want to identify with that? Why, why would you want anybody to know that you had been in jail, and now you're released, so you, you would continue to wear the orange jumpsuit? Or you continue to act like you're still in jail. You, you show up at certain times so they can check you in. You know, make sure you're at, at the mealtime or the check-in slot here, the check-in slot there. And, and so you just randomly show up at the jail and say, I'm here. You would say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Nobody would do that. You're right. Nobody, in their, nobody at least in their right mind would do that. No prisoner getting out of jail says, hey, I want to keep that orange jumpsuit. I really think it's a fashion statement. No, nobody does that. What do they want to do? They want to get back into clothing that looks like the rest of the world they're living in so that they're not identified as somebody that just got out of jail. But what happens in our spiritual life when we don't get rid of the old man is we're just keeping the orange jumpsuit on. We're just still wearing it. We've been released from that. Jesus Christ paid the price on the cross of Calvary to gain our freedom from the bondage of sin. I am not held in prison anymore. But because of the way I act sometimes, it's like I just keep slipping that orange jumpsuit back on and keep trying to wear it. And we would think in the real world, dealing with prison and getting out, that's ridiculous. So why don't we think the same way about the spiritual realm? Why don't we say to ourselves, why do I keep doing this to myself? Why do I keep putting on the orange jumpsuit when I am free to go about the Christian life the way God has intended me to do it? See, this passage starts out and he says, and that you put on the new man which after God is created, I'm sorry, verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. We are to put off something. See, folks, when we get saved, we are not simply adding Christ to our life. Christ becomes our life. See, that's what I think makes probably Christians different than a lot of the 
and I'm going to put quotes around it, religions of the world. A lot of the religions of the world want you to just add something to your life. Christ is not just an add-on, folks. He is to be our life. He is to be the focus of our life. He is to be the central focus of our life. We have to put that old jumpsuit away, get rid of it, so that we have a space to put on Jesus Christ. And that's how it should be. At, at salvation, the scripture tells us we're a new creation. We've not just covered up the old creation. We're a new creation, something that's brand new. You know, it's Christmas morning, you're, you're opening presents, and, and uh, you, you, you see this, this, this present. It's, man, it's everything you've been waiting for, and, and, uh, and, and it's, you know, it, 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 okay, I'm going to go over the guys here where I don't normally go, to the newest video game. I mean, whatever the system is that's out there right now, and you think, man, this is great. I got a brand new whatever it is, and you open the box, and it's an old Atari. <laughs> and I know what Brett would do. Brett would cry because he was hoping it was the new video game system. But it's, it's an old Atari. And so he cries, right? Because what? You want something new. You don't want just a video game system. You want a new video game system. And that makes total sense. And when we get saved, the Bible tells us that we're a new creation. Phillips in his commentary says the Holy Spirit brings the disposition of the Lord Jesus into our life. That's what happens. The old clothes, the old way of life must be put away. You know, during the break, we had some work done in our house, and I, I had to go, get, eliminate some, some drawers that we had, a furniture of some, of some stuff that's been in them. And these were drawers that just I don't get into very often. And as I began to go through those drawers, uh, a lot, the, the side of the drawers that were mine, uh, a lot of them were filled with clothes. And then as I began to dug in, dig into them, I realized, well, that, that T-shirt's nasty and stained, and that T-shirt's nasty and stained, and... That one's nasty. And as I went through them, you know what I began to think to myself? Why have I taken up all this drawer space with all these old nasty clothes? Now, you know what I could do? They're all old and they're nasty and they're stained. But I could, I could take them and I could throw them in the wash and throw one of the, the gain pods in there and wait for the wash to wash and, and then dry them. And you know what they're going to still be? Old, nasty, dirty, stained clothes because those stains didn't come out before when we washed them, and they're certainly not coming out now when we wash them. And, and so I, as, as, we, as I did that during the break, I, I just thought to myself, why have I hung on to this stuff for years, some of it in these drawers, and not get rid of it because it's nasty and it's stained? I think you see where I'm going with the illustration. <laughs> Why do we hang on to the old man, the old man that is disgusting and sinful and dirty and filthy, and yet we hang on to him for dear life sometimes, and we won't let him go and put on what God wants us to put on. What does it say about the old man? It says he, he, the old man, which is corrupt, According to the deceitful lust, he is literally spoiled, ruined, or decomposing. That's what the word literally means. He is saying the old man and his way of thinking, his philosophy, is, is just destructive. It's decomposing around us. It is a moral decomposition due the, to the corrupting 
influence of sin. And how is that corruption, how is it caused, or why, what causes it? Well, he tells us in this verse, according to what? The deceitful lust. Now listen, folks, we've talked about this before. There is nothing wrong with lust. Lust is a, lust is a strong desire. A strong desire. I can have strong desires about good things. I can desire to read the Bible. I can desire to go to church. I can have emotion about those things. But this is deceitful desires. That's what it's talking about here. Deceitful desires. Those that are, that are based in trickery and fraud. That's what the word means. Those types of desires. The, the, the word desire is not necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's when I allow desires that are brought on through deceitful ways trickery, fraud, things like that in my life. Again, in his commentary, Phillips has some great quotes in his commentary. He said this, he says, Paul urged us to put away the old decaying man. The fact that he, that we need any urging at all shows how deceitful the old nature is. We still feel some attraction, even though the desires of the Adamic nature lead to the grave's corruption, vileness, and horror. Phillips is basically saying, listen, why, do, why does Paul even need to urge you to put away the old man? Because the old man is corrupt. It, it, it is vile. You know, I read in, 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 one, in one commentary, it's, it's, it's like having a corpse that's decomposing. And, and what is Philip saying to us? He's saying, why do you want to be tied to the corpse? Why do you want to carry it around with you? Something that's decomposing in nature. That's not what we want to do. So then we get to verse 23. And he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The process involves more than just putting something away. It also involves adding something new. See, God's not calling us just to put away the old man. He's saying there's some other things I want to have them to be a part of your life. A new man, a new creation, things I want in there. That's what we need to do. And so we need to think about it's not just a one-way street here. Paul here is talking about a new way of thinking. Well, that's what he says, and being renewed in the spirit, what, of your mind. He said, when you become a believer... You ought to think differently. Makes sense. So why do we so often find ourselves thinking the same? See, we, ha we have to understand when, when we become a new creation, it ought to change who we are. Now listen, I don't want anybody to doubt their salvation. But if you got saved and nothing in your thinking ever changed from when you were not saved, there might be a problem. Because if you're truly a new creation, you ought to think differently. When things come to your mind, you ought to think differently about them. When somebody says something, you ought to think about it differently. Because now you're saved. Now you're viewing things through the lens of God and the Bible. And so there ought to be a difference in how we think. If we get saved and there is absolutely no difference, then there's a problem, folks, because there should be a difference. Paul says here, he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then he says this, and that ye put on 
the new man. Put on, so get rid of the old man. Put him away. Take him off. Get rid of him. And then put on the new man. And he gives us a little quick description of him. He says that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The new man is a man that is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's what he ought to look like. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We are created in Christ Jesus. Remember, just a couple chapters back, chapter 2 and verse 10, what does he say? He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. How is the believer supposed to walk? Differently than he walked before. That's how he's supposed to walk. He's supposed to be a new man, having a different walk, going about life differently. We, we were ordained to walk in good works. The, the marks of his new creation are righteousness and holiness. That's a far cry from the old man that rebels naturally against God. Is it not? I mean, we are to, we are to now walk in righteousness and and holiness. That's what God says when he says, be holy, for I am holy. It's a new way of walking. It's a way of walking that we didn't walk this way before. It's a path we haven't been on before. Why? Because there is a life change taking place in our life when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that takes us to point number two today, a behavioral change. A behavioral change. Paul now begins to move from principle to practice, uh, and, he, and he speaks about some things. And notice what he says. He says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. He says, listen, he says, we need to speak the truth and choose truth. John 15, 26 tells us that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And so we have to ask ourselves, do I choose truth or not? I remember many years ago, we used to take senior trips when, we were at the, when I was at the, the administrator of the school in the Shenandoah Valley, and we used to take our senior trips down to, down to Atlanta, Georgia. I loved taking those trips, and, one, and we did the same trip every year. I booked the same thing, same hotel, same everything, every, and so I knew the people at all places, so it was really great. So one of the things we always did was we rented a 40-foot pontoon boat out on Lake Lanier, and I would take the teens out on the, on the uh, boat. We'd, Lake Lanier is a huge, huge lake in Georgia. I would run that 40-foot pontoon boat somewhere out in the middle of the lake, shut off the engines, and I'd cook the kids a steak dinner on the boat. We'd let them pick their steaks out ahead of time at the grocery store, and we'd cook ribeyes or T-bones, whatever they wanted, and I'd cook them a steak dinner on the boat. Well, I can remember one year particularly we were out there, and, and the boat had a big, uh, it was a big, huge pontoon boat, but then in front of the railing, there was a little bit of landing still, and a lot of the kids, seemed like particularly the girls, would like to go out there and dip their feet in the water while we were putting around and just sun themselves on the front of the boat. And I can remember one year, one, one of these little uh, petite girls that was with us with, with a very light complexion, I was sitting out on the front of the boat, and my wife and I more than once told her, uh, you better be careful, you're going to get sunburned. And, and more than once, we told her, we think you're getting red. You better be careful. 
Well, you know what she chose? Uh, what we were speaking was truth, but she chose not to acknowledge truth. And that night, she could barely move because she literally looked like a lobster that you'd taken off out of the bottom of the ocean. She was red all the way up her legs, her arms, and her face, and her neck. Where, I mean, she was, because she was, she was bright, bright red, and she could barely move. Well, what was her problem? She didn't choose truth. We told her the truth. The truth is, you're starting to get red. You ought to, because that boat had a canopy. She could have moved off the ledge and moved back under the canopy, and she'd have been fine. But she chose something other than truth and got burnt to a crisp. I mean, just burned terribly. See, folks, when we don't choose truth, it hurts. We get hurt. And so, so Paul is, is talking to us here, and, he, and he's talking about these behaviors. And the, and the first thing he says is, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are, we are members one of another. We need to speak the truth. Why is this a problem? Why do you think this is the first place Paul goes? Well, I think it's probably the first place Paul goes because Paul understands the principle taught in John 8, 44, that Satan is a liar and he's the father of it. See, folks, Satan doesn't speak truth. He speaks lies. He speaks deception. And, and so what he wants us as believers to do is not speak the truth either and not choose truth. Paul's telling us, listen, you need to live in righteousness and truth. And, and so the first thing he says is that you put on, uh, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man the truth. So we're supposed to put away one thing, put on something else. Then he goes to verse 26. He says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, this is a verse that some people mess up just a little bit. The verse does not say never get angry. doesn't say that. Because, folks, there is a righteous indignation. Jesus Christ was not smiling as he threw the money changers out of the temple. I can assure you of that. He ran them out of the temple. In righteous indignation, ran them out of the temple. We should, as believers, be angered at the millions of babies that are aborted every year, lives that are taken in murder every year. That ought to make us angry. See, folks, there is a righteous anger. The verse doesn't say, don't ever be angry. What the verse says is this. It says, be angry and sin not. See, there's a difference. The difference between anger kindled by the old man and the Holy Spirit is this. The old man's anger is sinful and destructive. The Holy Spirit's anger is revealed at great injustice, depravity, or iniquity. That's the difference. We often live life in the old man's version of anger. Destructive, mad, wicked, evil. But there is a difference. Listen, when Jesus was, was denouncing the Pharisees, he called them a generation of vipers. I don't think he was smiling when he said that. Because they were wicked. They were evil. And he called them out on it. And so we have to understand there's a differentiation here. 
<clears throat> but the Greek word for those three words, be ye angry, because that's what our scripture says, be, be ye angry, the Greek word is one word, and, and it, it's a positive command. There are times to be angry, but we are not to sin. We are not to sin. It's interesting, isn't it, that be angry and sin not is positioned right between verse 25 and verse 27. When verse 25 talks about lying, speak every man the truth, and 27 says, neither give place to the devil. And sandwiched right between those two is, be, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. See, folks, we need to understand that Satan likes to distort truth. Philip says, since man was made in the image and likeness of God, the more Satan can deface that image, distort it, and turn it into a, more, a, more, a mere caricature, the more his distorted soul is satisfied. See, folks, Satan wants to change truth. He doesn't like truth. And so it says, wherefore, put away lying, speak every man the truth of his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Then verse 28 some more identification of a changed person. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Now, there's really three things in that verse. He's saying, if you used to steal things, don't steal things anymore. But instead, get to work. Do some work. Have it make an honest living is basically what he's saying. But why do we make that honest living? So that we can help other people. See, instead of stealing from people down here, we make an honest living with our hands here so that we can what? We can help others in need. See, folks, missionaries don't go to other countries for free. They're, all their stuff is not covered, their airfare and their, and their living and their food and everything they need to operate a ministry in another country. It's not free. So what can we do? Those of us who work with our hands to earn an income can use some of that income to what? Send a missionary to preach to somebody else that's in need. See, that's what we're supposed to be doing. He says, let him that steals, steal no more. And then he says this. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Things that's ugly, speech things that are poisonous speech, things that are not edifying speech. These things are not to be part of our life. We are to be lifting each other up in the Lord. And so when we speak in a corrupt manner, we are not doing what we're called to do as somebody who's accepted Jesus Christ as a new believer. Notice what he says then in verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? That means to cause pain or sorrow to the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve him? We grieve him when we behave in a way that is not conducive to what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in our life through the Lord. That's how we grieve him. It's when we don't change our behavior. It's when our behavior doesn't look different than it once looked. 
And then I love that last little phrase in the verse, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Just another piece of passage that gives us confidence in our salvation, folks. That he who begun a good work in us is going to finish it. It's not going to depart. And then he ends here, and he gives us just a, a kind of a, a laundry list of some things we need to put off and some things we need to put on. Notice the list. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So there's a whole list there. Bitterness, that's harshness, resentfulness. Wrath, that's violent outbursts. Anger is impulse, vengeance that we show to somebody else. Clamor is boisterous, outcrying. Evil speaking is slanderous speech. Malice is depravity. He says, put all those things off. Get those things out of your life. And then he tells us some things to put on. <coughs> Excuse me. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. He says you need to be kind. That's pleasant, gentle. He says you need to be tender-hearted. That's merciful and compassionate. And he says you need to learn to forgive. Forgive others. Listen, Christ, uh, folks, we, we, have, we have a way somehow of, of not forgiving people that have wronged us. We, we, we'll say, that's fine, whatever, but we don't forgive. Because, and the scripture is very clear. It's not only does he tell us to forgive, but he says what? Forgive one another even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The same way we were forgiven for our sins because of the work of Jesus Christ is the way that we are to forgive other people to that extent, to that extreme. That was an extreme way that God forgave our sins through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that's how to forgive others. So as we come to a new year, starting tomorrow, we have, you know, everybody's got their resolutions ready, all the things they're going to do in the new year that's going to be different than the old year. Think about the spiritual for a little bit. Not just uh, working out in the gym, not just the losing weight, not just the setting better goals for my life, but let's think about our spiritual walk and think about have I put off the things God's asked me to put off and have I put on the things that God expects me to put on? And if I haven't done either one of those folks, that might be where you want to make some resolutions this year as we head into a new year. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed as we come to the end of the message this morning. Very simple, simple passage of scripture. Oh, but there's a lot there, folks. Listen, if you're in this room today, and if I ask for a raise of hands, if you trusted God as your Savior, if you trusted the Lord as your Savior, and you raise your hand, which I would venture guess would be most of the room, if not all the room. If that's you today, have you put this into practice in your life? Have you gotten the things out that need to be out? Isn't it crazy that we keep going back to the orange jumpsuit? We keep putting it back on like we're still in prison. We've been freed. So let's enjoy our freedom spiritually in Christ, not go back to the old man time and time and time again. Why do we want to do that to ourselves? And then to fill that void in our life, let's put on the things God wants us to have there. Let's speak the truth in love to people. Let's forgive. Let's be kind-hearted. Let's do the things that God wants us to do. 
as we move forward. A life change. Have we all experienced it today? Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask Elizabeth just to play for a moment. The altar's open. You can pray at your pew if you need to spend time with the Lord, but we'll wait just a moment this morning.